0: Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord, that is inspired by you. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Lord, right now, I ask that you would speak through me, Lord, I I just empty myself of anything that's of me, and just ask to be filled by you now. You give us this time now that's pleasing to you, in Jesus' name, amen. So there was this guy who breaks into a house while the residents are away one dark night. Now, eager to see what he can loot, he quickly starts searching through cupboards and dressers, grabbing valuables with a trained eye. Suddenly, he hears a voice out of nowhere. Jesus is watching you. Criminal jumps, scared the residents are back, and freezes. After a few minutes of silence, however, He assumes, it just was my imagination. He goes back to robbing. A couple minutes pass, and again, Jesus is watching you. Quite confused, the thief searches the house and checks the front door. But nothing pops out as unusual. He finally decides to to go check out other rooms, and he moves through the house, and he he sees a parrot, but he ignores it. Before he can do anything, someone speaks again. Again. Jesus is watching you. The robber realized it was the parrot talking the whole time. So going to the parrot, he asked, Are you the one who's been talking to me? The parrot responds, Yes. The thief couldn't believe it. So he asked another question. What is your name? Ismael. The man scoffed, What type of idiot names a parrot Ismael? The parrot responds, the same type of idiot that names a Rottweiler Jesus. (laughs) Well, the thing is, Jesus really is watching us, okay? He's searching the whole earth, looking for people whose heart is his completely. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for people to be on his team. This morning, we're going to talk about what does it look like to worship God with all of our heart? It's something we talk about a lot, but what does it look like to worship God with our heart? Again, God is searching for people to be on his team. He's looking for people with the right heart. Second Chronicles sixteen nine says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he, he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. In the book of Samuel, we, we hear that, that Saul becomes the first king, and, but then Saul is rejected because of his sin. and Samuel then confronts Saul. In 1 Samuel 13, he says, this is Samuel speaking to Saul, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. A little further in 1 Samuel 16, when when Samuel's looking for who the next king that he's going to anoint, and he goes to Jesse and here's a son and another son and another son and another son. And then God says this to Samuel in uh, 16, 7. It says, Do not look at the appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, but looks on the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance, for the Lord looks on the heart. Now, the, the staff here, pastoral staff at Grace Community Church, it's made up of people. It's really interesting. None of us were really looking to do what we're doing right here, okay? We're all doing something else, but God had some other plans. Even Gary, before he planted this church, he was a college pastor at another church, but before that, he was an engineer. God, he got an engineering degree, and then God called him into ministry started this church. Don Beecham, who was up here doing community time, he was a manager at a helicopter manufacturing company. Miss Margaret who leads Adventureland. She was doing human resources in the business world. Steve Hedlund had a real estate investment company. Jonathan Sheffron. You know what Jonathan did? Kind of fits him. Computer forensics and electronic discovery. Will Hoffman, who did communion, he had a construction and remodeling business. James Bedwell, before becoming our Our counselor here. He was a high school crisis counselor. Joey Geisel was doing music lessons and teaching worship at TAFA and did private lessons. And Brian Andrews, who used to be one of our pastors and is about to go to the mission field, Brian was a math teacher. Aaron Macklin, who's back at the back uh, directing and running camera today, you know, he came to the United States not to become a pastor. He came to the United States to get an engineering degree. And my story, I was, I'm a CPA, still am, but I was in the business world and I was, I took a job uh, to work in Boulder, Colorado. And I was going to be the chief financial officer of a high tech startup company in Boulder. And three weeks before I started that job, the current worship pastor had stepped down and resigned because of some sin in his life. And Gary just came to me and said, Well, you just lead until you leave. Because I was the guy that filled in when he was out. Uh, I said, sure. And so uh, I started to do that. And then it was time for me to start my job. But we hadn't sold our house. So Tina and the kids were at our house here. And then I loaded my car up and I headed to Colorado to start my new job. And when I was driving over Raton Pass, I was listening to a sermon Gary preached on a cassette. You guys remember those things? Cassette, like in my car. And it was on the harvest, and he was talking. And at that moment, I'm driving over tone Pass. He just talks about the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Who's ready to join up and be part of the harvest? And I'm wrestling with this whole thing of like, well, who's going to lead worship if I don't do it? I, I don't have a Tony Brown or, or Jordan Gallus or an Aaron Macklin. We didn't have the, you know, we were smaller back then. And I'm just thinking, I don't know who's going to lead worship. So I'm praying and I said, Lord, if you want me to do that, I'm willing to go back if you call me to do that. And so I prayed that going over Raton Pass and I went to work. I went to Colorado and I started my job. Since we hadn't sold our house, I'm flying home every weekend to lead worship. And then one day Gary and the elders basically say, would you, would you quit that job and would you come back to Texas and be our worship pastor? And I made that decision driving over Raton Pass already. So it wasn't too difficult at that point in time. And my friend Bruce Roberts, who's an elder in our church, he said, hey, when you come home, stop on the Raton Pass and get you a rock. And so... I have with me my rock that Bruce suggested I get. I pulled off of I-25, you know, right on the pass and I went looking and I found and I thought this is a good looking rock right here. But underneath it written in a Sharpie says The Call. March 30th of 1998 at Home Pass. And that's sitting in my office on my desk. And So that reminds me of that. God built his team. God was looking to build a team here. And we didn't do it conventionally, our pastors. We didn't do it conventionally. God was just looking for people who had willing hearts. And he picked us. So what are some characteristics of a a worshiping heart? I think the first characteristic is God is looking for a heart that is broken. Psalm 51 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. God isn't looking for perfect people. God isn't looking for people who have it all together. He's looking for broken people because broken people are are free from pride. They're free from ego. They're free from selfishness. Now, there's no greater illustration to me of of using broken stuff for something that's beautiful than mosaic art. Okay, A mosaic art is, is taking fragments of glass, broken glass, colorful glass, and an artist then puts it all together and just makes it look beautiful. I've had the opportunity to travel several times to Turkey. And while there, I went to the Hagia Sophia, which is in Istanbul. And this building was built in the year like 560-something, okay, 560-something. And it's a beautiful, amazing place. And there are some mosaics in there that are, are incredible. And I have a picture of one of those I want to show you. Again, guys, this is like 1,500 years old. Broken fragments of glass put together on the walls of this place to bring glory to God. My good friend, and uh, he he used to be the youth pastor at at this church, right like two weeks after I started, he started. His name's Steve Hammond, and uh, Steve now pastors a church. He planted a church that's called Mosaic. And I love their slogan. Where the broken can become beautiful again. Grace Community Church, we are filled with broken people that God is using and he's putting us together to form a beautiful mosaic that brings him glory. So a worshiping heart is marked by a heart that is broken. The next characteristic is a heart that is humble. Psalm 25, 9 says, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. First Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time he may exalt you. Now I want to brag about our worship team a little bit. We have lots of people who rotate and play lots of instruments and sing. We have talented people up here. We have talented people who run our audio visual at the back of the room. But I tell you, more than any talent that they have to sing and play instruments or run all your visual stuff, the most important thing to me is that these are humble servants. They're clothed in humility, and they want to give God glory above getting anything for themselves. And I I tell you, that, that is way more important to me than having a super talented person who's filled with pride. I don't want that. You know, in two weeks, we're having a ministry fair. You've kind of been hearing about that a little bit. And and we need some help. I I need some singers. I need a few musicians. We need help in audiovisual. And I tell you, the number one thing I'm looking for, I'm looking for humble servants. Because I just want to add that characteristic to our team. A worshiping heart is marked by a heart that is humble. Next characteristic I believe God is looking for is a heart that is pure. Matthew 5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Psalm 24 says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. We sang that this morning, right? In good grace, clean hands, pure heart. It's amazing how God does this kind of stuff purity matters. Now, we, we sometimes convince ourselves that we can dabble in a little sin here and there and we can do this. Oh, no big deal. I, I can do this over here and I can have my little secret over here. Maybe it's things of our senses, right? Our eyes, we let ourselves see things. Movies we watch. You know, music we listen to. You know, maybe it's You know, the things we look at and go to on our phone or we look at on the internet. Maybe it's sins of our tongue, the things we say, that we gossip about other people, that that we put others down, that we have hateful speech to one another. Maybe it's sins against our own bodies, you know, sexual immorality, gluttony. And some people physically hurt themselves. Now, n- no matter what these little sins are, or big sins are, that we, that we dabble in, here's the thing, all this that we think is no big deal, it impacts our relationship with the Lord. And it matters. So, I, and I think she's already in Tennessee because they're hosting a group of students coming to their farm in Tennessee, but... Uh, if if the wonderful uh, food coordinator for our youth ministry, the Miss Rebecca Ward, and Rebecca, if you're in Tennessee watching, hello. If you came in here, if Miss Rebecca brought brownies, homemade brownies for the whole group, all right, and I mean, she brought them in here, and you start to smell them, and they were warm, or oh, right out of the oven, maybe I like mine a little gooey, just a little bit, and we'll have some with nuts for those who are nutty, and some that... Don't have nuts. I like a little caramel mixed in mine too. Oh, my gosh. Can you smell them? She used only the best organic ingredients. And so she hands them out to all of us. And now we are are enjoying Miss Rebecca's brownies. Hmm. Now, after devouring these brownies, she mentions that she added one more organic ingredient dog poop. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but it, it she said it's just a little dog poop. Just a couple tablespoons in each batch. You guys won't notice it. You won't taste it. It's just kind of there. God doesn't want us to have a little sin in our lives any more than we would want a little dog poop in our brownies. It matters, guys. That sin impacts our relationship with the Lord. A worshiping heart is marked by a heart that is pure. Now, in life, postures matter. When a young man meets a young woman that he wants to impress, oh, you know, his shoulders go up, chest goes out, gut goes in, he smiles. He shakes his hand. Nice to meet you. Hmm. When that same young man decides to propose to that same young woman, he's going to get down on one knee. You know, just a few weeks ago, we had a few engagements in this church. Actually, I missed one. It just happened a week or so. But a few weeks ago, sorry, guys. A few weeks ago, we had some engagements. I got some pictures of those. Let's put those up. Here's a young man, Mason. Proposing to Catherine Rehnquist. Catherine plays keyboards on our worship team. Notice his posture. Next, my friend David Marsden, who plays drums on our worship team, proposing to Kat Leiden. Notice his posture. And finally, my friend Ashish proposing to Amelia Large. Notice his posture. Okay? Mom's over there crying again. There she goes. She lost it. You need a tissue? Okay. Postures matter. Now, these same young men, maybe Benji too, right? When they're in trouble, they may do this. Oh oh honey, I'm sorry. (laughs) I shouldn't have said that. Oh honey, I, I shouldn't have done that either. Right? Their posture is a little more humbling and a little a little further down on their knees. You know, if someone points a gun at you, you'd say, Oh, please don't shoot. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt my family. I, I surrender. You take a posture that's different surrender. Sporting events, oh my, when your team scores the winning goal or a touchdown, all of us long term Cowboy fans, we're just hoping one day they're going to make it back to the Super Bowl. Maybe it's this year, and Dak throws. We'll say it's to CD Lamb and he scores a winning touchdown as the clock runs out. What are we gonna do? Yes! Woo! Our team won! You know, we we something happens, and whether it's volleyball or baseball, the big home run to win the game, we go crazy, we go nuts, our body explodes. He, I got a picture to prove this. Tiger Woods was one of the greatest golfers ever, probably is the greatest golfer ever. And but he went through a hard time. He had he had all kinds of injuries. He... He had a messed up personal life, and he ended up divorcing his wife and just having sexual addictions. It was horrible. But he, he made a comeback and started turning things around, turning his life around. And he, two years ago, competes and wins the Masters, which is the greatest golf tournament ever. He wins it again. And here's a picture after he sinks the last putt. This is what the reaction is. Look at his reaction, and look at everybody in the stands. Look at the guy in the bottom left. I mean, he's so excited that Tiger just won. Everybody's hands are up. Maybe it's fist pumps. They're yelling. They're celebrating. Why does this happen? Our heart, listen to me here. Our heart is caught up in the experience of the moment, which causes our body to respond outwardly. I'm going to say that again our hearts, okay, we're caught up in the experience of the moment, which causes our body to respond outwardly at that moment. See, we're created as holistic beings. We have intellects, and we have emotions, we have bodies, and it all works together to express ourselves. Studies show that 70 to 90% of all communication is nonverbal. We can say a whole lot without uttering a single word. Guess what? The Bible gives us some things we should do in worship. Physical expressions. It says we should use our voice. I think most people are pretty good with that one. Speaking, Psalm 34 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. I will pray. His praise will always be on my lips. Shouting. Let me just say, we could use a little more shouting at Grace Community Church. Why? Because the Bible says, Psalm 33, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Singing, we just all did that. Psalm 47, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. We're supposed to use our posture, the Bible gives us postures. Bowing, kneeling, Psalm 95, oh come let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Standing, most people are okay with that one. Psalm 119 says, my flesh trembles in fear of you, I stand in awe of your laws. Dancing, Miss Nancy's very good at that and we always can count on her we always we have a few in the second service who will join in we could use a little more of this maybe some of you guys just tap your toes a little bit or something (laughs) dancing psalm 149 said let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp Could use a little more of that here our hands supposed to worship with our hands how we play instruments Psalm 33, praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on a 10-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with shout and shout for joy. Oh, there's that shouting thing again. Clapping, we do that some. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Lifting hands, Psalm 63 says, I will praise you. As long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I didn't make any of these up, okay? This comes from the Bible. This is the word of God. These are things that we are told and commanded to do. Just like we are commanded to tithe. We are commanded to take care of the poor and the orphan and the widow. We are commanded to do these things in worship. Posture is an outward expression of an inward reality. Let me say that again. Posture is an outward expression of an inward reality. Our body is going to naturally act out the way our heart feels. And here's a warning. Outward expression in worship can be an indicator of one's heart condition. Now, think of all those things I walked through earlier, right? The, 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 on the knee and proposing and and don't shoot and my team won, all that stuff. Think about that and think about this. Honey, I am so in love with you. I'd like for you to spend the rest of your life with me. Yes, will you marry me? Oh, I'm in trouble. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, please don't shoot. Please don't hurt me. I surrender. Oh my goodness, the Cowboys just won the Super Bowl after like forever. Yes, that was a last second touchdown pass. We won. Amazing. Okay, th- think about that for a minute, guys. It doesn't happen. Why? Because what's going on inside of us has to come out of us. Okay. So I challenge you and I exhort you to say, during worship, guys, we, we've been given postures that the Bible says we're supposed to do. And I challenge you to do them. If we will give Tiger Woods that kind of glory, if we will bow down before a human, we des- God deserves so much more than that. He deserves so much more than that. And I know some of you are going, I'm, not, I'm just not wired that way. Are you wired that way when you do other things? Or are you really like that guy that stands and talks that way? I I don't think so, okay? I don't think so. Because I think God wants what's inside of us to come out. Here's the other thing. Posture, physically, can actually help our hearts connect, right? We take a knee, we bow in reverence, we lift our hands. These are postures of humility. Humility that reminds us of our brokenness and our our need for him. I've I've been a follower of Jesus now this year for 40 years. 40 years. I have been the worship pastor of Grace Community Church for 23 years. And let me just say, there are times, there are times I don't feel like worshiping. There are times I don't feel like leading. But I'll say this, I come in here and I rest on the knowledge of who God is and what he has done for me, what he has done for you. And sometimes I have to lift my hands to then help my heart connect with my physical. So it goes both ways, okay? If you don't feel like it, I challenge you, just begin to do it. Get on your knees and humble yourself and say, God, I don't, I don't feel it today, but I know you are good and I will give you glory. Now, as we, before we go further and, and close, it, it's kind of important. We're talking about worshiping, right? God's looking for worshipers and what does it look like? What kind of heart does he want? But it's kind of important to step back and go, well, whom do we worship? What are some characteristics of this guy? Is God that we worship. Because if we understand maybe who, who it is and why we worship, it's like, oh, I got to. I don't have a choice. I mean, I, he's, he's good. God is the creator of all things, big and small, okay? Big and small. The same God who spoke and the universe and the galaxies were created. The same God who did that. Is intimately acquainted with each of you. It's this collision, what I say of of sort of Genesis 1 and Psalm 139 collision happening. Genesis 1 is all this creation and all that God did to create the world and the universe. Psalm 139 says, I know when you rise up, I know when you lie down, I know your thoughts. I know your words. And the other thing is, Psalm 139 goes on to say, he thinks about you a lot. His thoughts for you outnumber the sand and all the beaches around the world. I just think about it, If you were to scoop up one handful of sand and let each grain come down and each grain is a thought for you. And that's nothing compared to all the sand of the beaches of the world, right? Of what God's thinking. He's thinking about you. The other thing, we worship a God who made a way for us. Jesus and the cross, right? Ultimately, without the cross, we have nothing, right? Jesus made a way. He was fully God, and he was fully man, and he came to this world to save us from our sins. The Bible says that when you sin, the wages of sin is death. We die because we sin. Jesus came and did not sin. He died a death. He did not deserve to die, but he willingly went to the cross to pay for our sins, our guilt, our shame, our judgment, and he bore it all on the cross. That's why we worship, because of what Jesus did. He gave everything for us. We need to give everything for him. I'm not a big science guy, but I do love like the Hubble telescope stuff. We have some time. Sometimes I use backgrounds that I, I find with the space and all the stars and galaxies. And, and so there's this picture I'm going to put up here. It's called the, the Whirlpool Galaxy called Whirlpool Galaxy M51. It looks like this. Okay, this is off the NASA website. I've got a a couple pictures that are off the NASA website for the Hubble telescope, okay? Okay, I I see this, and I think, God didn't speak this one into existence. Nah, he was dancing, right, Nancy? I mean, he was dancing, and and he was twirling, and out came that. And I'm sure he's thinking, one day, they're going to create this telescope, and they're going to be able to see this. They can't see it now, but one day, they're going to see it, and they're going to go, wow. Wow. Peace. They're gonna just freak out, right? But they, you know, the guys at NASA thought that's pretty cool. But let's let's look inside. Let's let's go deeper. Let's look at the center of that. Let's see what happens when we look at the center of this. Again, the picture I'm gonna put up comes from the NASA website. Okay? It is called the X structure at the core of the Whirlpool Galaxy M51. And it looks like this. I mean, okay, they can call it X structure, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I don't know about you. I look at that and I see Jesus on the cross. Okay, we're talking about millions of light years away. Big stuff. God is revealing his son Jesus on the cross. Another science thing. There's something in our bodies called laminin and laminin is a cell adhesion protein molecule i'm not a science guy i'm just reading this stuff laminin it says is vital to making sure overall body structures hold together it keeps our cells held together laminin it looks like this Hmm. We go from the galaxies that are millions of light years away to a protein molecule, molecule in our bodies that says its purpose is to hold us together. Much like the cross of Jesus to me. Colossians 1.15 through 17 says, He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him, this is Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Our bodies are our cells are held together by something that looks like a cross. Coincidence? I don't think so. God is looking for worshipers. He is searching for people to be on his team. People with the right heart. Hearts that are are broken. Hearts that are pure. Hearts that are humble. People that are willing to worship him and not be ashamed and not be afraid. And to to explode out in worship of what's going on in their hearts let's stand for prayer and before I close this, I just want to um, I got this little thing right here remind you of two things I didn't get an update, so I know after the first service there were still some slots open for blood. Uh, there was ten I don't know how many got filled. Rosie got there. So I don't know. But check. If you want to give blood, just check with the, the van outside. Is it still outside? Right? Still outside? Yes? I'm, I can't see anybody. The Carter blood thing, is it still parked out front? It was when we came in. Or is it gone? What? I said it, was when we came in. it was when you came in. It could still be out there. Check with them. There might be some slots available. Also, if you're brand new to Grace Community Church, like if you came here and you're, you're, this is your first Sunday here and you go, I just want to find out a little bit about, about your church. There'll be a couple of us over here in the corner to answer some of your questions. If, if you just have questions about our church, you can go to our connection corner over there, and there's Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. There's our computer forensics guy. Uh, he can help you uh, get plugged in or whatever. Just remind yourself, remind you guys of the ministry fair in two weeks. You know, you've been watching videos all month about people who serve. If you're not serving, come find a place to serve. Get plugged in somewhere. Do something. Make coffee. Play keyboards on the worship team. We need somebody. Okay, let's pray. Lord, just thank you for who you are. That you are the big things and the small things, Lord. Lord, we want to be found. People that hearts are yours. Hearts are surrendered to you. Hearts that are broken and pure and humble, Lord. When you go looking for worshipers, would you find them here at Grace Community Church filled with people with those characteristics? Lord, I pray that as we live out this life today, it's not just church on Sunday, but this week, Lord, we would bring glory to you wherever we are and whatever you have us do it. And I just pray your blessing over our families, our children, our grandchildren, our marriages in this church, for our health. We pray this all in Jesus' name. All God's people say... Amen. Praise God. You are dismissed.